0: Um, so it's it's uh it's Wednesday of the Passion Week. If you haven't been following along, um, you you can see that we have been following what happened, what we in what was is traditionally called the Holy Week or the Passion Week. So the week of the suffering of Christ, the things that led up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, and we're leading there day by day by day. We talked already about Monday when Jesus cleared the temple. We talked about Tuesday during the day when the authority of Jesus was questioned by the religious leaders. We talked about Tuesday evening when. Jesus Jesus was anointed with the perfume, and today uh, we are going to be talking about what happened on Wednesday. And actually, technically speaking, this day is considered in scriptures to be silent. We don't know that anything actually happened, but so traditionally this is the day that we talk about um, something really dark, and maybe it's a weather appropriate to today. What is that in in literature when when the weather kind of, what is it? Pathetic fallacy. Whoa, Pastor Aaron for the 10 points this morning. (laughs) You know, in literature, when it's like a dark and stormy night, and then something like a murder happens, whatever, like pathetic fallacy, you can just be proud of yourself all day now. Yeah, just take that. Just take that and own that. That's great. Uh, We don't know in this week what what specifically Jesus was up to necessarily. So um, we're going to consider the decision that one person made that allowed for the week to end the way that it did, um, and I don't normally do this, uh, but uh, we are going to read this passage about uh, Judas uh, and the betrayal, of, uh, betrayal of Jesus from all four Gospels. They say it all a little bit differently, and uh, they all add a little bit to the narrative. I wanted you to hear all four, but I didn't want you to have to listen to me four times reading the same scripture. So I'm going to invite some scripture readers to come, uh, to come and do all four Gospels. So in your U version app. These are already loaded up for you, so you can follow along that way. We're gonna, and they'll also be on the screen, except for our our Luke passage, which was supposed to be read this morning live by Peyton Bromley, but she has a cold and could not come. And as much as she tried to convince her mother, it was just seasonal allergies, which she doesn't have. Uh, the <laughs> So we compromised, and she recorded it yesterday for you, okay? So Peyton's going to read the Luke passage, but otherwise, I'm going to invite our scripture readers to come and, uh, and take us through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John.
1: Hello, church. So I'll be reading Matthew 26, verse 1 to 5, and verse 14 to 16. And it reads, When Jesus has answered, saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is in two days, and the Son of Man would be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priest and the elders of the church assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Cassius, I think, and they, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But during the festival, they said, or during the, not during the festival, or they said, or there might be a riot among the people. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest's, and he asked, what will you be willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over.
0: Mark 14, 1, 2, 10 to 11. Now, the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over.
1: Luke chapter 22 verses 1 to 6. The festival of Unleaving bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted, and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began, looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the gods were around.
0: After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly I tell you, once one of you is going to betray me, Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as G- Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do it quickly. Thank you, all of you. Thank you, Michael and Hannah, and Peyton, and Alicia, much appreciated. Wasn't that so much better than hearing me read it four times, right? Uh, So we, we have this pretty dark hour in the Passion Week. And there was a big problem that the religious leaders had at the time, was they were trying to figure out, they they knew they had to get rid of Jesus. This was not a workable thing. The the things that had happened so far, the things that that when they were questioning him, the way that the people were responding, they they knew that they had to do something about this. But they had to arrest him without provoking a riot, because they understood that if they provoked a riot, especially because we talked already about how busy Jerusalem would have been, uh, because it was the Passover, there would have been so many people, and they were all like, pretty interested in and for Jesus in general. And so they thought, well, if we provoke a riot, the Romans will come in and take over. So they're always trying to make sure that that they don't create, like, an insurrection, that the Romans have to come in and take over, because they had a little bit of autonomy in how they did things. And so uh, they, they really were like, how are we going to accomplish what we need to accomplish? How are we going to get rid of Jesus without creating something that um, is going to cause a way, way bigger problem for us with the Romans? And... Um, the, the truth was, if you were, it was so busy. If, uh, law said, if you lived within 15 miles of Jerusalem, that you had, you had to come and do Passover in Jerusalem. Um, but people, of course, celebrated Passover, and, and it was their goal as a Jewish person to always, as often as possible, or at least once in a lifetime, to go to Jerusalem and to celebrate the Passover. And I believe that Jews all over the world still do this today when they celebrate Passover. Part of their ritual of that meal is they will say, next year in Jerusalem. It's still something that they want to do. So you can just imagine the scene and and how are the religious leaders going to accomplish what they need to accomplish without causing a very, very big problem. Jesus had incredible popular support um, and they had to find out how to do it away from the people because it says, in scripture says, they feared the people. And no one at the time, of course, was live-tweeting Jesus' life, okay? So in the first century, that obviously wasn't a thing. And so it wasn't easy to figure out where Jesus was going to be today. He didn't post his official schedule. Um, no one was taking pictures of him and posting on, on social media. And so they had to figure out where he was going to be, but they didn't have access to that information. They had, a, had to find him away from the crowd, but they didn't know where that would be. Who could lead them to a remote place where Jesus would be in his off hours? enter Judas. And have you ever thought about Judas and just been like, what was he actually thinking? Like how, how Judas, how could you do this? Have you ever wondered that? How could he have found himself in the place to make the decision that he made to cause what he caused? I really like, think about it. If, you, if you're on your, in your Bible app or you have the, your Bible in front of you, just flip back a few pages and look at the things that Judas had experienced alongside Jesus for the past three years of his ministry. Judas had been filled with the Spirit and sent out and was driving out demons and was healing people and, and was seeing all kinds of miraculous things that he was able to do because of the power that Jesus gave him to do that, the authority. There was that, that happened. He, he saw, of course, all the things that Jesus did. He heard all the teaching that Jesus gave. He heard what, um, what, what was expected. He heard him uh, stand up to the religious authorities. He, he just saw and, and experienced so much incredible stuff. The the love and the wisdom and the judgment on some, but the outpouring of grace on those who needed it. How could he have led them straight to him in the garden, which was a place that the Gospel of Luke tells us was Jesus' usual place to retreat for prayer? To betray him in, in such a special place that I'm sure Judas had been with him many times before. And it's such a big question, like how could he have done this? It's so interesting to us to try to get into our heads, like what was was Judas thinking? But his motivation is actually not specifically mentioned in any of the gospel accounts. And remember that by the time that the gospel writers were actually writing these accounts, many years had passed since this actually happened. A varying amount of years, depending on which gospel you're reading. And so the probably for the writers of the gospels, the fact that Judas betrayed Jesus was just that by then. The kind of the gut punch of it, which I'm sure it would have been uh, in the moment that it happened and, and the time shortly after, had sort of been removed from it. And they're just reporting the fact. Some of the gospel writers weren't there, some were. And so they, they're just saying, this is what happened. And they don't tell us why. Maybe because so much time had passed by that time in the early church, it was an accepted fact. Like everybody just knew this is how it went down. And that's what Judas did, and these are the, these are the facts of the matter. It's difficult for us because we do want to understand it 2,000 years later. If you know um, also the, the sad story of Judas, that he, he wasn't there after the fact to explain himself. Because if you know how that story ends, he, um, he decided to hang himself when he realized what he had done. And Matthew 27 records that really sad story of Judas realizing that he had betrayed someone who was innocent and that there was nothing to do now. There was nothing that could be done to undo what he had decided to do. And so his suicide prevents us from understanding uh, more deeply what his motivation was, other than just the facts that we have in the Gospels. And like I said, it seems that that fact is just fully accepted by the Gospel writers. This is the, these are the facts of what happened. So what was Judas' motivation? Let's just take a minute and think about what that might be because it's going to help us um, hold these scriptures up as a mirror to our own lives as well. So if you start to read commentators or just you start to study up on some of these things, there's lots of ideas and opinions about why Judas might have made the decision that he did. Uh, there's a, a few categories. There's lots of lots of speculation. But here are the three main things that w- will really pop up if you do this study for yourself. The first one is that perhaps Judas was just suffering from disappointed greed. He had hitched his horse to Jesus' wagon for the promise of inheriting an actual physical kingdom of some kind. And that he was going to obviously, if he was in Jesus' inner circle, was going to have some kind of monetary power gain from from being a part of Jesus' kingdom, being you know, one of his trusted followers. And at this point in the gospel story, he started to understand that that wasn't going to happen. In Matthew 26, uh, the headline there is called Judas Agrees to Betray Jesus. So if you're in your NIV, that's what it says there on Matthew 26, this, the passage we read today. And that section in scripture follows right after, can you see it there? Maybe you're there. So, like, you could just give you a second to feel smart for yourself. Just be like, oh, I see what's going on here. Uh, Pastor Aaron spoke last week about the anointing and how when that expensive perfume was poured out and sacrificed and and used to wash Jesus' feet, that the disciples asked, why are you wasting? Why such a waste? What we could have done with this money if we had sold this perfume instead. And then John John chapter 12 also points out that uh, Judas was stealing money. From the he was, he was the accountant for the group kind of thing and was doing a terrible job. Okay, so there is that little piece of it too. So the, the part where Judas betrays Jesus in Matthew's gospel comes right after the disciples asking, why are you wasting this kind of money on perfume to spill on someone's feet? So there's maybe a correlation there that really what there was some disappointed greed. He thought there was going to be some kind of monetary gain, a political power gain that would come with all kinds of wealth and would come with all kinds of privilege. And he started to see this, Jesus encouraging this kind of waste of resources. And he was putting together the way Jesus was describing his kingdom was not exactly what they had thought. And of course, we know about the the 30 pieces of silver that he was paid to betray Jesus that promised sum of money that indicates that maybe Judas was in it for the sheer love of money, although commentators typically agree that that wasn't actually a huge amount of money at the time. Um, So he apparently decided, though, at at this point, perhaps, that there was no more money to be gained from Jesus and his ministry. So if he could get 30 pieces of silver out of it, And then find an exit point, then he was gonna do it. It's possible that that's where he was at. Another way to understand what Judas did is that people wonder if perhaps what he was really, like, like kind of like the best case scenario for Judas, would be that he was really just trying to hit, like to force Jesus' hand here. He was, he was like, he understood that Jesus was the Messiah. He understood that Jesus was, was going to set up a new kingdom. And he, he wanted to see him overthrow the Romans and to make everything right again and, and to rebuild and all the things that he thought that Jesus was going to be and going to do. And so what he was going to do is say, well, Jesus is clearly dragging his feet here. So if I do this, then it was, it's going to force Jesus' hand to show his power. So that's you know. So he was thinking, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step in here because Jesus is clearly a little gun shy. I'm gonna help him uh, to get him into the position where he can fully display his power and he can fully set up the kingdom. Because if he's arrested, he'll have to. Like he can't just let them arrest him and kill him. Like that's not the outcome we're gonna have here. So I'm gonna force his hand. So there perhaps was maybe some of that in his motivation. That's maybe a best case scenario for Judas. But it could have been just that he was simply disillusioned with. What he had experienced in the last three years with Jesus. Because maybe he had joined Jesus because he longed for the appearance of the kingdom of God, like so many Jews did. And he realized as he's listening to Jesus, you know, we talk about what happened on the Monday, at, at, no, yes, the Monday, but specifically the Tuesday during the day when he's being questioned by the, uh, by the, by the religious leaders, and, and he's, they're, they're kind of going and sparring again. And how many times had Judas heard how the religious leaders were receiving, or better said, not receiving Jesus in his ministry. And he realized this, this, is, not, this is not gonna work. Jesus is not being accepted as the Messiah. Jesus is not going to be set up in, in uh, any kind of position of power in the, in the Jewish religious world. And I can see that now. Jesus is opposed to their teaching. He's opposed, he's opposing them. He's calling them, he's calling them out in a really awkward and strong way. And Jesus, at the same time, was also talking about, so not only does he have this conflict with who he should sort of be uh, taking over for, essentially in Judas' mind, but Jesus was talking about martyrdom in no uncertain terms by this point. And perhaps Judas was... was. Uh, was finally swayed to understand that this was not going to turn out the way that he had hoped it was when he joined the group a couple years earlier. You know, listening to Jesus be accused of being a lawbreaker and a blasphemer, and now Jesus is talking about martyrdom, and he's thinking, this is not This is not what I thought I signed up for. We don't have the full story. All of those might have some, it might be a mix of all of them. You know how complicated the motivation of a human heart can be. But like every other part of Scripture, we wonder like what this has to do with us, maybe. But let's just hold, let's just sit with with the story of Judas and hold it up as a mirror to our own hearts, because that's what we're always asked to do with Scripture. And what is there for us to learn as we consider the actions of Judas? As I was reading um, all like all the speculation, like I said, there's lots of different opinions and ideas about why Judas did what he did. I started to wonder. Why do I do the things that I regret? When I look back on my life and I see some decisions that I made, some actions that I took or didn't take, some things that I was afraid of, whatever, and I look back and I wonder, why do I do those things? Things that I either know were wrong or I didn't ask if they were right. What's the motivation of my heart day to day uh, in any decision that I make? And I don't know what was in Judah's heart. Only the Lord knows that. But when... I think about all that Judas had seen and heard and experienced and then the choice that he made for whatever his motivation truly was. I just you have you just have to hold up a mirror to yourself. Because there are times that um I act out of disappointed greed. I have a uh, have in my mind something that I want or something that I should be able to have that I think I should be able to have, and I I am able to find a way. I'm great at this. I don't know if you guys are as talented as I am in this area of justifying whatever I need to feel like I have to justify. I can find a way to justify spending my time or my money or my energy or whatever to get the thing that I think that I need, the thing that actually I just want. Or sometimes if I'm really spiritual, I'll ask God for it, and then if I don't get an answer, then I'll still figure out a way to get the thing that I want. Um, this happened, <laughs> I don't even want to tell you this story because it's too embarrassing, uh, but <laughs> maybe I won't. Let's just skip down. There are other times in my life, there was something, there was something, if I tell you what it is, you're going to be like, I, I can't, but I can't, that's so stupid, but there, are, there, there's, there was something recently in my life that I really wanted, and it was something stupid and small, and it wasn't that expensive, but it wasn't in the budget, you know, you guys already know where this is, right? You could feel that, you've been there, I'm sure, and you're just like, but I really, like I could really use this thing. I could really, it's not the air fryer that I bought on Friday, though that could probably be, <laughs> I have made wings twice in 48 hours because we bought an air fryer. But something dumb and small like that, you know? And it's just like, but I really want this and I really need it, but I don't really have the budget for it. I don't really have an excuse to get it. But Lord, if you love me, if you would just drop this into my life. And then I heard nothing from the Lord about it for weeks. <laughs> So I decided I'm going to figure out how to get this for myself. I really did. I was like, I, I mean, there's a way. This is such a, it's not a big deal. Although I knew in my heart that it was not in our budget. And, you know, we care about stewarding our finances. And so I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I, but No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to use my PC points. That's what I'm going to do. Or whatever. Like, find your way. I'm going to find my way through it. This is, this is real life, you guys. I'm going to find my way to it. I'm a resourceful woman. I will find my way to it. And then I really felt, I don't know if I was studying for this message yet or not, but I really felt the Lord saying, you, I mean, sure, like it's, it's not that big a deal, but is that how you want to play this thing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, fine, okay, yeah, whatever. But I just, I mean, it's such a stupid small thing, but I thought, how fast can I figure out how to get whatever I want? That was the thing. Like, how quickly can I go from, oh, I didn't hear from the Lord about that, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. Like, and that was, like, it was a dumb little thing in my life, but I thought, man, my heart can go there quickly. Let alone if it was something bigger, something I I really wanted to pursue. Like, I mean, I'll talk to you all day about how you asked my parents when I was a child and um, Amy Grant and I spent a lot of time together on my records and I decided I was going to be a rock star turns out wasn't that wasn't in the cards for me like sometimes it's a big thing sometimes it's a small thing whatever thank you Peter I am a rock star let's go i don't know if I really fit the definition but I appreciate the feeling but i you know what i mean like you just sometimes it's big dreams you have to let go of but sometimes it's small things too but how quickly the human heart can be have a a greediness, a thing I want, I don't really need it and I and I've maybe asked the Lord for it, maybe I haven't and I just figure out how to get exactly what I want and I don't consider whether or not it's good for me. I don't consider whether it's it's a, it's stewardship. Uh, it's not always money either. it can be the time you spend on something, the energy you give to something, whatever it is it's just it can get um, we can get really close to that really, really quickly and I was reminded on that in a, in a very small way. Uh, there are times in my life also when I, I, I know exactly how God needs to come through for me in a particular situation. I know exactly what he needs to do. And I, I, let, I let him know often, just to be helpful, Lord, if you could just, don't, I don't want you to worry about this, Jesus, because I have figured it out. If you can just do this, then that will allow for this, and then I can do this. I do this really well for the Lord. He doesn't appreciate it as much as I think he should. Um. Because I'll say something like, okay, God, here's the thing, here's the solution. Go ahead, God. I can't do, th- this is bigger than I can do. But if you can do this thing, then I can go ahead and do the thing that I want to do. Um, I was talking to somebody about this recently. Uh, there was a, like a, a situation, uh, we had a, a, a fire in Rob's uh, shop fire. It was more like smoke damage more than anything else. And I had a perfect plan for how this was going to resolve in a great way for us. Because everything is destroyed. Uh, it was fun. Fun times. Fun times at Dunham House. But every, so it was okay. Because I had figured out, okay, Lord, let me, just, let me just help you help me. Help you help me. I have a plan, and it, but I can't, I can't make the thing in the middle happen. So if you could just do that in this particular way, then I will do this and we'll all be fine. And I heard nothing from the Lord about that either. (laughs) It turns out he had something completely different in mind for us in that particular space and the way that he was going to provide for it. And it took, um, Rob and I had to sit down and literally have a conversation about that. I think we're trying to help the Lord help us, help him help us. And he doesn't need that. But I've decided already how this should, what the outcome of this should be. And so I'm going to just tell you how to get there. There are also times that I just don't like Jesus teaching on something because it's hard. It's um, difficult, or more often than not, it's unpopular. It's countercultural. Maybe something's going to be awkward socially, or um, it's going to make it so that I have to put my pride on the line. If I'm going to believe in a particular thing or say something or be obedient to him in some way that he's asked me, but it's really uncomfortable for me. There are just times that it's it's tough when you read the words of Jesus and think about how you're going to apply that to your life and you just think, Phew, I can think of a way that we could do that with, without me putting myself out there so much, without me having to lay down my pride or surrender my life. There's an easier way, Jesus, and he says, take up your cross and follow me. you know. And I, I'm not here to throw shade at Judas. I think he's gotten enough shade for 2,000 years, maybe appropriately so, I'm here to say to you that I know that I'm capable of the exact same things as may have been in his heart that day. I wish that weren't true of me, uh, but it's true. I'm, I'm capable of disappointed greed. I'm capable of trying to help God to sh- show up in a way that I think he was always intending to. I'm I'm capable of just being utterly disillusioned Uh, Because God didn't come through for me the way I thought He was supposed to, or He's asking me to do something that was was harder than I I thought it was going to be, or asked more of me than I felt willing to give. Those things have all happened in my life. William Barclay uh, said it like this both Luke and John, so we're talking about the gospel writers here, Luke and John say quite simply that the devil entered into Judas. In the last analysis, that is what happened. Judas wanted Jesus to be what he wanted him to be and not what Jesus wanted to be. In reality, Judas attached himself to Jesus not so much to become a follower as to use Jesus to work out the plans and desires of his own ambitious heart. So far from surrendering to Jesus, he wanted Jesus to surrender to him. And when Jesus took his own way, the way of the cross, Judas was so incensed that he betrayed him. The essence of sin is pride. The core of sin is independence. The heart of sin is the desire to do what we like and not what God likes. That is what the devil Satan, the evil one stands for. He stands for everything which is against God and will not bow to him. That's the spirit which was incarnate in Judas. We shudder at Judas, but let us think again. Covetousness, jealousy, ambition, the dominant desire to have things our own way. Are we so very different? These are the things which made Judas betray Jesus and these are the things which still make people betray him. Yeah, guys, I study like this every day. It's heavy, isn't it? It's heavy. It's, it's, it's a mirror. That's, that's the scripture being held up to our own hearts as a mirror. So we might ask the question, where is Jesus in all of this? The gut-wrenching fact is Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He'd known it for a long time. And in John's gospel, it says, after he said this, Jesus went, Jesus was troubled, uh, which which means agitated and stirred up, like he was feeling what was going to be happening. Uh, He was was troubled in spirit, uh, John says, and he testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And then he looks at Judas and says, what you are about to do, do quickly. Judas was invited and included and taught and loved. And right to the bitter end, Jesus accepted that Judas had free will to make his own decision, even though the consequence of Judas' decision would be Jesus' own execution. That is heart-wrenching, devastating, and also an incredible display of sacrificial love. That Jesus would love Judas enough to say, I love you enough to let you have your own free will to make the choice you're going to make. And that is this very, very same thing for each of us as we follow Jesus. Temptation is everywhere. The devil's intent for us is to, is, is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And so the choice is ours every single day. What are we going to do with the same sacrificial love of Jesus? That same thing that Jesus says, hey, listen, I know what's in your heart. And you can make your own choice and I'm not going to force your hand, but I'm right here here's what I'm offering but the choice is still always always going to be yours that's what real love is Judas realized what he um, traded far too late he had all the advantages of being on the inner circle with Jesus but spiritual privilege itself was not enough it wasn't enough and like I've said the beautiful thing about scripture is that when we hold it up to our own lives we can make the choice to listen to the temptation of the enemy like Judas did or we can see remember Judas was one of 12 what did the other 11 choose what did the other 11 choose oh man they were not perfect <laughs> especially later after the after the, the last supper we're going to read about how they deserted him and all of those, and Peter disowned him, and all of those things happened. They didn't, they didn't do it perfectly. But they did stay faithful to him. They did come back to him. Um, they, they did, and they are looking now. Where are they right now? They are looking right now into the face of Jesus himself. They stayed faithful and received their reward for that. And listen, Satan could not have entered into Judas the way scripture describes it, um, unless Judas had opened the door. In John 13, it says the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Judas was making a choice to listen to that voice. Or as one of the commentators said it, there is no handle on the outside of the door of the human heart. It must be opened from within. So how do we take a warning from Judas' choice? How do we apply this and hold, that, hold the scriptures up as a mirror to us so and what? So what do we need to guard against, and what do we need to do in order to make sure that these particular motivations that the human heart is so apt to receive and to walk in and to and to be um, deceived in and all of those things? How do we guard against those things? And there's three simple things. I mean, there's probably a list, but I'll just say it like this. First of all, look at Jesus. We talked in January in our uh, reconstruction series about how when so many people get disillusioned with their faith, it's because they're looking at the church and the imperfections and, and and we are imperfect. And yeah, we can be hypocrites sometimes and all of those things are true, but Jesus never is. So we always look at Jesus. If you want to look at the motivation of your own heart, don't look at what others are doing. Always look at Jesus. See him for who he is, not what other people have told you about him. That's a great place to start if you're just meeting him for sure. But learn about him. Read the gospels. Understand who he is. And then read about what he's offering to you. Life and life more abundantly. Freedom and truth and grace and mercy. Read about those things. Know him. Invite him. Pray to him. Listen to him. I promise you that what he is offering is so much better than what you're, you're tempted to trade it for. Taking care of things yourself, that disillusioned greed, that that want to for him to be something that he's not. I promise you that the truth of who Jesus is is always better than the things that you think that you want. Every single time. And if you don't believe that, just try it. Experiment with Jesus because I feel like I'm pretty confident he wins every single time. No matter how difficult the choice, he wins every single time. He is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better every single time. I don't care what you had to sacrifice. I don't care what you had to lay down. I don't care what you had to walk through. I don't care what you had to give up. I promise you that Jesus is better every time. Every, I'm going to wait. I'm going to get all like weepy because I believe it so much, but I, you know I can't cry and speak at the same time. So I'm just going to hang on. You want me to cry, don't you, Brad? It's ugly. It's not good. (laughs) If you, I want you to hear this, and if you don't have this written somewhere, whatever, Jesus is better. Try him. I promise he's better. And then the second thing is this listen to Jesus. Remember that Judas betrayed him, but the 11 didn't. The 11 didn't. They listened, they learned, they grew, they failed. They came back, they asked for forgiveness, and then they changed the world with the hope of the gospel. Listen to the words of Jesus. They are where you find life. Oh, somebody prayed that at Deep Roots on Sunday night. Jesus, you are, the, you are where we find the very words of life. Let us know your word. That was prayed over you, church. Listen to Jesus. And the third thing is filter everything through Jesus. Jesus everything through Jesus. I don't know what your filter is, folks, but I promise you this is another place he will never disappoint. What is that happening in that difficult relationship in your life? Filter it through the, the, the lens of Jesus. What does, what would, how would he have you respond? How would he have you uh, surrender? How would he have you pray? How would he respond to that person and to that relationship? What does that look like if you filter it through the life and lens of Jesus? What about that decision that you need to make? What honors Jesus in your life? What, which, which decision, which path, which way is honoring to Jesus is, is the thing that he is calling you to do that, that lines up with the, disciple, the life of a disciple of Christ. Filter it through that lens. How about that attitude that you hold towards something? Not that anybody would ever, like that's maybe just for me. I wrote this one in here for me. The attitudes that need to be changed in my heart. How has Jesus taught me to think? Have you holding on to an attitude about something or someone? What, how has Jesus taught me to think? How do I need my mind to be renewed? How do, I, how, do I, how do I need the word to change the way I think about something? What is actually true? Not just how I feel about it. Filter your attitudes through Jesus. Or perhaps maybe an assumption that you have. You think one thing about God. You think, you think you're think you going to be received in one way or something's going to happen this way or God said this or God said that. Do you actually know that from the word? What is your assumption about God? So many of us have had uh, difficult relationships with our parents. And somehow we, we, we put that onto a perfect father. My father was perfect, so this is really easy for me. He's here today. <laughs> so <laughs> this one's easy for me. Uh, but... But truth, tr- truly, we, we put so many things, we, we add so much baggage to what we think about who God is. But what does scripture really say about the heart of God? Who is the father really? What did Jesus really come to do? What did he really say? Check all your assumptions through that filter of Jesus. We look at him, we listen to him, and we filter everything in our lives through him. That's the life of the disciple. And that's gonna put us church in the place where we are like the 11 and not like the one who made a different decision. If you um, are here this morning or off campus here, if you're joining us and you are wondering about how do I even begin a relationship with Jesus? Like, okay, Jesus is better, I hear you. How do I even start this? If this is a brand new journey for you, I wanna invite you to go to our website, freedomkw.com life. And it's going to walk you through those things. You can do that on your own when you have a moment. But then please reach out to us. We'd love to chat with you about that. Just what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Does that website is available to you? Maybe you know someone and you're here. You are a follower of Christ and you're like, I'd like to share the gospel message with someone. Don't really know where to point them or sort of how to get them started. You guys could just take them to that website. Uh, that's our website, um, forward slash life. You can find that there. Maybe you feel like, I just need to learn more. I just my, I'm, We've been praying for you, church, that we would be hungry for the, for the filling of the spirit. We'd be hungry for the word. We'd be hungry to learn. And if you are hungry for more and you're trying to figure out, like, well, how do I even do that? What's next for me? How can I go deeper in the word? There are so many resources on our next page. That's freedomkw.com slash next. You can go there anytime and just like just pick up a new Bible study. Um, let us know that you're taking it. Let us know if you have questions, and we can walk that through that with you anytime. We'd be so delighted to do so. But as we uh, as we do this together, as we consider the motivation of our own heart, Matt, would you come? Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to show us um, these things. Show us if there's any part of our heart that is like Judas. We're asking the Lord to say, hey, as painful as it might be for it to be exposed in my life, I actually do, I, I want to know if there's a part of my heart that's like Judas and not the 11. Yeah. I, I know, like, I love that the 11 were so imperfect, but they still stayed faithful. So I, I want to I be in that space where I'm learning and growing. I want to be in that space where I'm, um, do you want the whole team to come? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. It's a team, your whole team. They're all, I could see, just from my years of worship ministry experience, I can see the worship team is like, they're sitting there like, I said Matt, did she mean everybody? Did they mean, did she mean, did she mean? So I'll just release you, just come, yes, come. Um, <laughs> I know that feeling. I know that feeling. But let's invite the Lord to just, to, to say to us what he wants to say. Is there any part of our hearts that isn't lined up? Any part of our hearts that's grasping for the thing that we want to help God to help us to help him to help us? Something that we are grasping for that isn't who he is, that isn't what he is good for us, that we're trying to create a life Um, for ourselves and we have not understood that Jesus is better and we haven't asked him first, we haven't pursued him first and then trusted him with the outcome. Is there any part of you that's struggling there? So the team is going to lead us. I'm going to invite you to stand. Let's do that now. And just invite the Holy Spirit to do that in your life as we just reflect in these moments here. If you want to pray with someone about something that's going on in your life, and you just you want to say it out loud. You want to maybe want to confess what's on your heart, or you just you need someone to come alongside and join faith with you. I'm going to invite you to come, and and you can stand at these altars, and our our ministry team will come and pray with you. They'd be delighted to do so. But let's invite the Spirit, Holy Spirit, come. Oh, we know we know that you're here not asking you to be here. We know you are. We're asking um, for us to be aware of your presence, and we are inviting you into our hearts. We're inviting you into our minds. We're inviting you into our will and saying, Holy Spirit, can you do a work in our lives now? Could you bring to our attention the things that we individually need, bring to our attention the things that we need as a church to lay down? to surrender to you, the things that uh, we haven't even really noticed that our motivation is not honoring to you, or we're, we're, tr- we're trying to be like Judas, we're trying, we're trying to, to create something or let you, uh, have you be something or whatever that you're not, and you're calling us to something else. You're calling us to lay that down, you're calling us to look at you and to listen to you and to filter our lives through you. In any way you want to do that, Holy Spirit, in these moments now, we invite you. Would you do that for us? Would you meet us here and speak?